millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back, listeners, to the Trampoline Hall podcast. If you are a first-time listener, I welcome you. I simply do not welcome you back. Uh, I am your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is a lecture series that takes place in a bar, usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. People give lectures on all kinds of subjects, with the one restriction being that they cannot lecture on subjects on which they are professionally expert. It cannot be their job to know the thing. After each lecture, uh, we, which is to say I, we take questions from the audience. I take questions from the audience. Me, Misha Globerman, your host. This is the Trampoline Hall podcast, and what we do here is for each uh, episode of the podcast, we go back in time. I mean, we don't actually go back in time. We open up a file on our hard drive, but we go back in time and choose a lecturer from the past, and we bring that uh, forward in time uh, to you you and then you get to enjoy it at whatever time uh, you like or not enjoy it too feel free to listen to the podcast and, and just not like it at all that's totally your prerogative anyhow the point is that's what's going to happen there's going to be a lecture there's going to be a Q&A it's going to be amazing if you like the podcast uh, you might also like the show the live trampling hall show now usually we do this in a bar in Toronto and maybe you're thinking well I can't get to Toronto I can't even go to a bar because there's a pandemic because maybe there's still a pandemic while you're listening to this there sure is while we record it well we've solved that problem not the pandemic but the other problem which is that uh, we do Trampling Hall online. You can come, you can check it out, get on our email list, go to the Trampling Hall website, sign up for our email list, we'll let you know when the shows are. They're online, they're actually kind of cool for online events, I think, I think we're doing a good job of them. Uh, uh, oh, and by the way, you might be wondering, uh, does this contain mature language? The answer is it may, but now is not the time for that. Now is the time for this, for this episode's lecture. The topic is Horror for Children and the Era of Don Bluth Aesthetics, and the lecturer is Vida Bayer. Um, so what I'm presenting is kind of a research project that I've just started and haven't done the most fact-based research. Um, it's kind of, I have some thoughts and some things to present to you. Um, so what I'm talking about is a period of cinema that I have arbitrarily not entirely arbitrarily decided, starts at about 1980 and ends at about 2001. And when I was initially sort of trying to define the sensibility that I'm talking about, um, I thought about the film creator, Don Bluth. And I realized through watching some Don Bluth that I'm not entirely talking about actual Don Bluth, 
but sort of what Don Bluth kind of represented. Um, so there was a period in time a little bit, like the internet tells me a lot of different things. Um, and one of the things that is kind of controversial is that there's this period in Disney's film history that's sometimes called the dark age of Disney or the bronze age for people who like it and don't want to feel bad about it. Um, where Walt Disney died and then, Walt, and then Disney didn't really know how to make money. Um, some people say that it happened before Walt Disney died and when they started using xerography, which is a particular animation technology that a lot of people felt made their movies look cheaper. Um, I feel like this period sort of starts midway through Disney's Bronze Age. Um, I don't really know why. I feel like the most compelling reason I've received has almost been astrological, uh, which is that Pluto was in Scorpio during a chunk of this time. Um, seems legit, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but films that were made for children developed this particular kind of dark bent. And I understand early Disney has some dark stuff. There's always been some dark stuff, but I think that things took on a really particular kind of sensibility that's hard to articulate, that kind of was born out of the non-Disney children's movie and sort of the birth of that as a viable thing and non-Disney, non-Warner Brothers specific children's entertainment. And it had something to do with the advent of VHS and home entertainment, and also that Disney was not really making money. So while Disney was not making money, uh, this guy sort of broke away from Disney named Don Bluth, and he started to produce his own movies. Um, and his first movie, which is the thing that really sort of, I feel like, defines this sensibility for me, is The Secret of Nim. And The Secret of Nim is, for those of you who have not seen it, a movie that was made in 1982. And it's about a mother, single mother, who's a mouse, who has to rescue her family um, because her young son is uh, very ill. And humans are going to come plow the field and they're not gonna be able to get out of the field because she can't move her son into the cold because her son has pneumonia and will die. Um, it's kind of the anti-Disney movie in that it has a mom that's alive, but she's also the main character, uh, and it's all about her. Uh, there are children in it, we don't care about them, they're like in a brick for most of the movie, like, doesn't matter. It's all about mom, and it's all about her learning to be brave. Um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of kids were pretty traumatized by it because there's a very scary owl who eats bugs mid-conversation and does not give a fuck. Um, but I highly recommend checking it out. If you did not check it out at the time, or if you did check it out at the time and were too scared, it's, again, worth, worth a revisit. Um, it's got mice, it's got science, it's got magic, they coexist together in this movie. Very cool, very inventive. Don Bluth, through the rest of his career, made a lot of other movies. Some people care about them. I don't really. I think that The Land Before Time is kind of has some cool 
spiritual stuff. And again, I really like the spiritual kinds of themes he brings into kids' movies. Like, All Dogs Go to Heaven is very philosophical. And I guess the main thing that I want to talk about overall is that I think that it's good to bring themes that are complicated into children's entertainment and to make children feel maybe kind of bad and uncomfortable while watching a movie. I think it's good to be challenged and I think that I'm interested in movies that you can watch as a child and then revisit and be able to glean new meaning from over time. Um, I was born in 1988, but I had no friends uh, and I was not a child who read a lot of books. Most people I know with no friends read books. I just was the second most frequent renter at Blockbuster. <laughs> I know this because they told me. Um, but yeah, so I watched a lot of movies that were f staggered before I was born just because I was watching almost every children's movie available to me through the library, Rogers, Blockbuster, and independent video stores and variety stores because you used to be able to get videos of variety stores. Um, so I feel really touched by this particular thread that I think cinematically kind of is grounded in the 80s and then when sort of children's cable became a thing in the 90s moved a little bit towards television. Um, other movies that I kind of revisited as part of my research that I was really excited about um, include The Brave Little Toaster. Again, very, very, very worthy of a rewatch. Um, I feel like Toy Story ripped it off, but then wasn't brave enough. <laughs> um, brave Little Toaster, also very upsetting. Things you might remember if you watched it. Um, in the first maybe 10 minutes, an air conditioner commits suicide. Um, so that's pretty real. Um, but things that I really like about The Rave Little Toaster is in a lot of children's movies, things die and come back. In The Brave Little Toaster, a lot of things die and don't come back, which I think is a useful lesson, because that's true. <laughs> um, it's also a really interesting movie about masculinity. All of the characters are coded as men. And the character that is, there's a char there, there, there are a bunch of different kind of loose archetypes, but the one's the most clear archetype is Blanky, who's like a baby and a sissy and cries all the time. And everyone's like, why are you such a shitty baby? We don't like you, you're annoying. But Blanky is actually the one that they realize on their journey together that they need to be more like. It is a movie that teaches, I think, especially young boys, that maybe caring for people is really useful, allowing yourself to open up to intimacy is really useful, and generally taking care of people and looking out for them and nurturing them is useful in how you survive in the world and create meaningful relationships. It also has a really interesting um, kind of critique of built-in obsolescence, and the character who is their owner or their master, as they refer to him, he like is really invested in these objects and maintaining them and is willing to go to the dump and like everyone's like go get new shit for your college dorm and he's like no I want the old stuff and I want to make sure it still works um, which is great and beautiful and is another kind of care I think it's great um, I think the Toy Story is 
not as good. Um, into the 90s, there's sort of a move towards television. There's a lot of great stuff. Um, I feel like there was a lot of experimental things because people didn't really know how to make money. Um, and so you get things like sticking around where there's like a kid who has a dead dog named Pepperoni that she drags around <laughs> everywhere. And like nobody has the heart to tell her that Pepperoni is dead. But then sometimes when they're really mad at her, they're like, Pepperoni's dead. And she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> has a huge, yeah. So there's a lot of like great stuff. There's stuff that's like, again, in this vein, but also like I don't care about it as much. Like, But it's in the thread, like Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, there's the uh, sadness swamp in The NeverEnding Story where the horse gets so depressed that it just dies in a swamp. Um, strongly relatable content. <laughs> um, there was also a lot of horror television series for children. Um, and so there was Goosebumps, Tales from the Crypt, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark, uh, and Freaky Stories. And one thread that I find really interesting that's especially true in Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark is this idea of not being believed by adults and this horror that comes from not being believed, which I think is really powerful and really real and like is interesting. And I am sad that I'm not seeing as much entertainment for children that's willing to tap into that kind of really scary thing because it's real and it's okay to feel that. And then on the flip side of it, I really like the movie Matilda and like her interest in agency, believing in herself, and also rejecting her family of origin, which is extremely rare in a children's movie. She makes her own family, and there's no big reveal where it's like, oh, she was your real mom the whole time. It's like, no, she's not your real mom. Your real mom is not really for you. Maybe this other person is a cooler mom and a cooler support system for you. Um, I guess the thing that I sort of see, there's always a lot of threads going on at once at any given time. And I don't want to negate those other threads. But I feel like there was a period in time where a lot of entertainment for children became for children and adults by having things that were more complex themes or having um, you know, higher stakes drama in the narrative. And then it, there was sort of a shift that kind of happened over time uh, that I feel like is interesting to me on a number of levels, but it's sort of things became for kids and parents by being hyper-referential to pop culture instead um, of being something that is like maybe more difficult and high risk. <laughs> Um, and I sort of see this epitomized in, and like sort of the shift over it to it in Shrek, which was released in 2001. And obviously there are things that sort of laid the groundwork for a sensibility like Shrek. Um, like The Simpsons was very refer referential. Who Framed Roger Rabbit also had this like meeting of different worlds, including Disney and Warner Brothers and all these different things. Um, and even the genie in Aladdin is this character who like spits out various pop culture references throughout the movie that like are going to be not necessarily for the children watching it. Um, and this shift is sort of associated with another split from Disney, uh, which is 
on a more producer level, which is this guy, Jeffrey Katzenberg, who was sort of involved in the Disney renaissance, which is the thing that I lived through. I was like in the primo Disney renaissance age because it kind of ran from 1989 to 1999. That's when they made a bunch of movies that made a lot of money, including The Little Mermaid and Aladdin and all of that stuff, which I'm less interested in. Um, But Jeffrey Katzenberg was at Disney at that time and then left Disney and it was quite full of animosity, and then he was somebody who really had his hands in making Shrek, which is a very, I feel like it's a very mean movie. And I'm really interested in satire as a tool to critique things, but I don't really feel like Shrek really does that. It's a movie that feels very empty and just a lot of references to stuff and I think that what I've seen sort of post Disney a lot of DreamWorks films in particular but even Disney movies it's like the ultimate takeaway if you're a kid and you watch it when you're a kid there's jokes for you and then you return and you find out that something was a dick joke and that's like it and I feel like that's such a cynical way to bring older people and children together and it's a cynical and like kind of lazy way to write stories. It's just not, I don't think it's that exciting. Um, I guess there are also like really good kids movies being made now too. I haven't seen as many of them because I haven't been caring for children that much in this moment, not doing a lot of babysitting. Um, But again, I have seen a lot of darkness kind of neutered out of children's movies. And it might be because of MPAA readings or other things like that. I'm not totally sure. Again, early research project. But I guess my main thing is that I think it's valuable and I would like to see more of it again. That's it. (laughs) Vida Fire, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Nisha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. 
Are there any questions? Yes, there's one there, yes. Hi, Hi Ula. Uh, what is the darkest children's movie you've ever seen? Uh, what is the darkest <laughs> children's movie that you've ever seen, like ever? All the way through? Oh yeah, that is that is the qualifying question I really want to okay. know. Probably Watership Down. Like that's some violent stuff. Like I would say <laughs> the reason why I didn't bring that one up is I feel like that one kind of almost crossed the threshold and it's like harder to watch because the narrative is just like it's getting at you at every turn and like it's an option, but would I say it's like I think my favorite taste of darkness perhaps not. Favorite I really, again, Dark Crystal and Secret of Nim really high up there. Dark Crystal was the first movie where I saw the main character die, basically. And, like, I walked away from it and I was like, I love this movie. It was like, that was a wild ride. Interesting. Prepared me to watch other things. How old were you? Uh, Probably, like, eight, nine. And you were like, yes, finally. And I was like, finally, I was like, I was like that's dies. something to think about. I was like, whoa, this is very scary. Whoa, okay. And, like came around to it eventually. I think maybe even my initial response was like, ah, this is sad. What? All that for death? Um, but it's like a good title cool. for anything. <laughs> yeah. All that for death? It just describes like yeah. pretty much any experience. Yeah. When, when, you were, when, she, when you were asked what was your favorite, what, what was the darkest movie you said? And the first thing you said was All the Way Through? <laughs> and I was like, what? Was there a movie that's even darker, but you only like got halfway through it or well, something? Well, there stopped? are ones that I've seen like clips of that are darker than Watership Down. But again, I like draw, I, I don't know if they're like four children exactly. It's like they kind of theoretically are, but I don't think they were. What's an example of one that you think is not for children, but is like dark, but might be for. There was this one that I was. Um, when I was doing research for this, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a movie that's not the big snit, but is also about an older couple where, who survive an atomic blast and like are dying slowly. Um, but it was like more intense. It wasn't like kooky, like the big snit. Right. So it just was like, like a realistic movie about yeah, but a apparently surviving it was an atomic blast. For children. Who, supposedly. Who, really? Yeah. Does anyone know anything about this movie? Is I can't remember what it was called. Sorry. All right. I'll but there we go. So that would be one that might be darker, but you yeah, didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Because you were like, that's too dark I was like, for grown-ups. I was just like, maybe I don't want to watch this today. Maybe I'll watch it later. Probably wouldn't have gotten through it as a young child person. Okay. All right. So there we go. Uh, whoa, so many hands. Uh, let's go. Let's go over there. Yes, you, sir. I want to ask you about a million different things, but just to keep it to one in the modern, have you seen Inside Out? And I loved Inside Out. From the 90s. So, so, what it, so, so the question is, have you seen Inside Out? And speaking of that, what did you think of Animaniacs? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't love the end of Inside Out, but like up until the end, I loved it so much, and I did cry, and I'm not a movie crier at all. Um, Animaniacs, like, it, has a qual- it had a quality, but as a kid, I actually like, didn't really give a hoot about Animaniacs. It doesn't have that, it doesn't like, uh, have a super deep vein but of I darkness totally in it. But I totally respect people's love of Animaniacs. Yes. Right, abstract, like abstractly. Yeah. Abstract respect. Okay, yeah. sure. For sure. Okay, that's it. Uh, yes, all the way in the back. Yes, back there, yeah. Uh, you feel like uh, Adventure Time ever gets into that territory? What about Adventure Time? Dark enough for you? Uh, Adventure Time, I, I have not gone all the way through. It's like, this is just a personal thing. This is not like a thing where I'm like, I gotta see more or less of this. I just like, Adventure Time is like kooky for me in a way that like, it's fine. I'm glad it exists, but it's not for me. I'm really hoping the entire Q&A will be, will be, will be like, <laughs> yeah. is my cartoon, my favorite cartoon dark enough for you? And you'll be like, <laughs> no. no, your favorite cartoon is not dark enough for me. It's and then we'll just, dark so enough, no. put your hands down if that's not your question. The I, like, I like all kinds of not dark. Uh, yeah, over there. Yes, yes. You 
Um, at my local, at your, local blockbuster, not like in right. the, the world. Second most at your local <laughs> that would be very <laughs> cool, but impossible. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're sure yeah. with that sort of thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you want to know? Do you know who was the person who rented? I'll never know. That's such a sad thing because you were like, oh, I had no friends and all I did was rent movies. And maybe there was some other kid who was th- even less socially adept than you could have, could who have had been. even more movies. Anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, now put your hands down unless you are that kid, <laughs> unless you know that person. Oh. Okay, yes, uh, yes, yes. So I'm just wondering, we grew up listening to fairy tales, like the Grimm Brothers. Yeah. You grew up with the Grimm Brothers. Oh, yeah. Right, listen yeah. to them at night. Yes. Kids, yeah. Right, you're like, no. hey, that, this stuff's no darker than the Grimm no, Brothers. That no, no, no. I, I agree. I don't. With them, I don't yeah. think it is. I think it's like, it's not about the darkness even it, itself. Because obviously, again, there have always been like stories for children that are cautionary tales, where it's like, if you do this, your head will get cut off. Like that's just the way that it is. <laughs> but I guess I think it's more. It's it's harder to pinpoint because I see it as more of a sensibility of darkness. Like if you're watching these films, because it's, it's a filmic experience too. Like a lot of them just l- look darker. The way that, like, the coloring of those films, especially the animated films, just is, like, darker. Like, there's a lot of things that are interesting that are, like, textures to this experience. And I think that's why it's new. I'm intrigued by it, but I don't 100% know the parameters in which I'm defining it. Yet. Right, so you're not making the claim that, like, this is the first time anyone ever made oh, dark no. children's entertainment. Absolutely not. Just like this I'm is like a special dog. kind of dark children's entertainment yeah. that you want to talk about. Does that does that answer your question? Yeah, but so, uh, so I, I somehow also think that when you're listening to stuff, and you can't see it, and your little and your mind just goes crazy. Oh yeah, totally. So you're totally. like the stuff yeah, yeah, from yeah. my childhood was scarier and darker I, than the stuff in your childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to paraphrase completely fairly what you're saying. Yeah. Oh yeah. There are so many different ways to be scared and feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and, yeah, so, that's right. So, so every generation finds a new way to make yeah, it, to terrify yeah, its yeah, children. Yeah. Great, excellent. Um, uh, 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 no, let's go over to you. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, sir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so what are some of your favorite like, modern examples? What are some of your favorite contemporary examples of, of scary, of dark children's entertainment? Uh, I don't really have, like, I mean, like, in terms of kids' fair that I've watched recently, and enjoyed that is like specifically for kids. There hasn't been a whole heck of a lot. But again, I'm I'm not as in touch with things that have been released in the past ten years as I was even the ten years before that. So I'm I have a lot of work to do. But again, I, I just from seeing trailers, I guess that's part of the thing. Not a lot grabs me. It, like it looks like kooky, and there's it's referencing other stuff. And I want to if I saw more like if you. Anybody can send me trailers for exciting new children's fair that does not look um, like warrant warrant like go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. open. Okay. Oh uh, yes, yes. What, what triggered the recent uh, research project? What triggered this recent research project? Um, hmm. I don't remember. I think when I started it, there was a lot of other stuff going on. I was like, oh yeah, bookmark that. That could be the thing. And I I don't know. Right. I was messed the time. All right, so it just, it just happened? You it were just, just happened. Like, you were just like, this it's is like, something. There's just like always a lot of stuff in my mind. Like I, <laughs> um, I'm interested in film and film criticism, um, but I 
I don't know, like, there's always a lot of, like, tabs in my mind of, like, various things that I'm interested in talking about in film that I don't necessarily see discussed that often. Um, And I guess that was one that was, like, kind of sitting there. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, well, we heard both. Let's hear from you. Go for you. Let me come back to me. Yes. It's, it's certainly not horror, but the dog who stopped the war. Are you familiar with that? The dog who stopped the war. I am familiar with it as like an idea, but I've never seen it. Yeah. What was your? Are you? Is it? Did you feel like it might be dark enough? It's got a really dark scene. It's got a dark scene in it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe check it out. Maybe it's time to check it out. So it could be a suggestion or yeah, a question yeah. or, a, or a movie recommendation. Uh, okay, we'll go to you. Yes, you too. Yeah. Uh, this coordination is Kobo and the Two Strings. That's a contemporary movie. Oh, What's yeah. Uh, Kobo and the Two Strings. I'm ready. Kobo, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And I have the question. So, if you amateur themes to a children's movie, yeah. so what, what makes it separate from an adult movie that's like, who also has rock themes in it? Right. It is if you keep adding mature themes to, themes to a children's movie, maybe it's not a children's movie anymore. Is that the question? Like, at what point, yeah, at totally. what point is it no that longer a children's movie? That threshold is confusing. I think that, like, having some kind of element that I don't know I think making the choice to speak to children even if you are making a film that is not necessarily like they'll get everything I think it's just like kind of making that conscious choice I think there's certain kinds of genres that lend itself to it I'm interested in genres that allow for a certain amount of world building and world inventing and I think that that speaks to a lot of kids as well and I guess if you go for something like that and you choose to speak to children then it can be so it's just like I guess. an intention to I have think, like I think so yeah, or yeah I mean like it helps if there are like children in it but again with something like the secret of nim it's all about the mom so I don't know. But there's animated animals. There like are. That's a, that's yeah, yeah, a totally. I, again, like, if you have some of the markers there and you choose to speak to children, whether the marker is a, a fantastical element or animated animals or something, I think it could be a children's movie. Again, if you choose to make it one. But you'd still have to try to make it be appealing to children. I mean, you yeah, can't just take yeah. any movie and like just no. remake it with, an, with animated mice. And it'll exactly. But, I, but again, like, it's just like you can choose it. It won't necessarily be good. And it won't, kids won't necessarily like it, but nothing is guaranteed. I feel like when people try and make movies where it's like, cool, we're checking off all these boxes and then people will like it or like it will be for this target demographic, then it's like kind of a nightmare, usually. Okay. All right. Um, uh, let's go over there. Yes, over there on the side. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, were you, like, when you were younger, were these also like your favorite movies? Or is it just like now reflecting? That's a good question. Yeah, did you like some them as yes, much when you were no. young? Some they- yes, some no. I like, I did totally, again, I grew up up during the Disney Renaissance, and I, I fucked heavily with that stuff, but um, but I don't know. I liked a lot of things, and there's some things that like I, I get more now, but I think that that's fine. I feel like that's okay. I think that making a movie that's gonna be like their kids, like, I don't know, that style of just like trying to be it just immediately satisfying is kind of boring to me. So like, I'm into things that can come to a person later. I feel like it's good to see movies like that as a young person. Did you find that immediate satisfaction boring when you were a kid? No, because that's not yeah. Because my experience of kids no, is that they do like, not tire of no, immediate satisfaction. No, no, no. I watched again. Like I watched The Little Mermaid many times in a day. Like that's no problem. Right, right. Yeah, I, and that was another question I was curious about. When you, did, I want to know more about like that. Ex- when you were the second biggest renter of mm-hmm. movies at your local blockbuster. Yes. Like, what did that? For, how old were you? Like, how old are you talking about? Mm, uh, I can't remember when the blockbuster moved in, but it maybe was like when I was around four or five years old. But 
my my peak rental period i don't actually know um it's like a fact that is also a little bit legend because i don't exactly know when this was happening but i know that i just watched a lot of movies for a very long time and what was that like like would you did you go on your own did you go with your parents i would go go with my parents reach up on the counter like a no i just i would i would bring the like things in a I don't know. I just have the movies in my hands, and then they'd rent them for me. And did yeah. you, like, <laughs> and did you like? And did you? Would you watch the same one like a bazillion times, or would you go um, back and like? Bring often, them? Um, but not always. Yeah, it depended on the movie. I don't know. The kid logic is not something that I can necessarily tap into as somebody who is not a child as myself in this and you, moment. And you don't recall your own kid logic in that time. No, you know, like I just like there would be like okay, this is one that I really feel like watching again, or one that I didn't. Do you watch, so, a, lot, do you watch a, lot of, a lot of movies now? I kind of, after I dropped out of film school, I wow. like got a really sad relationship to movies. <laughs> and so I still watch movies now, but I don't watch them as much because they make me feel sad. Um, did, did film school do that to you? Is oh like yeah, film school 100%. Like made you yes. not, it's like it's a place to go yeah. to learn how to stop enjoying movies. Is that what film for school For me. Was? I don't think that's true for everyone, okay. but it was definitely for me. Yes. Okay. Yes, over there. Yes. What about what about sexy movies for children? Sexy movies. Um, Is that not what you said? <laughs> it's my question. I mean, uh, no. So what? So the question is like. So wait. So, so let's just to make the question what you actually said. <laughs> you're about what about movies for children? Um, and then there was and that address the topic of sex. Like what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, because sex education is so shit. Oh, because sex yeah. education is so crappy. So what about? Yeah, totally. So the intention is to educate, yeah. not arouse. I miss. <laughs> I guess I just yeah. But so so that can like depict sex that can so kids can learn more about sex? Is that yeah. okay. about safe sex or fun sex? About safe sex or yeah. fun sex? I or? think I think that's cool. I think I, I I would really like to say I think this is partially why I feel so resentful about there being these like innuendo type jokes in kids' movies, right. but also there's like no actual information that's useful. Yeah. And it, I think right. that would be really daunting, but I would love to see more people going for it and making yeah. it happen. Yeah, like, for sure. Thank you kids get the dick jokes, it would be so much better, right? Yeah, yeah, then it's not like a rude joke, because it's like, it's like whispering to somebody in front of them. That's like, why would you do that? That's mean. Right, so right now where that stuff exists, yeah. kind of, there's subtext between the filmmakers yeah, yeah. and the adults, where they're kind of like ha! winking at each other, yeah. and they're laughing at something that the kids yeah. don't get. Rude. And sometimes that's that something is like, stuff about sexuality, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. the opposite of yeah. what you want to be happening. Yeah, so yeah. that's bad. And then yeah. this would be, and you can imagine a world where like, I, I, well, I'm I interested in trying. I, I'm always interested in trying. Are there any best. movies that are like that have that talk about sexuality for kids? There must be. No, there probably aren't. some weird hippie movies that we haven't seen yet that like are like a little bit not allowed. <laughs> but I haven't seen them yet. Can you ask your sexy kids question? My, what was my question? I'm sure, make it my question. It's my interpretation of it. It's a collaborative question we worked on together. Well, I don't even remember what it was. It was just like, what about sexy movies for kids? Is that <laughs> I, I'm sure lots of movies are sexy to kids. Why do you, like, that, I mean, yeah. there are lots of ways kids can enjoy a movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah and I guess sure. lots of kids movies are. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Kids Thank are wild. You. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, there's tons. All right, yes, back there, yes. Um, so, I guess my question comes from talking about regular little posters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was kind of curious about how much you think that, like, a lot of this era has to do 
impact cinema specifically in the sense that like I mean I haven't seen Rainbow Close in a long time, but I'm actually still haunted now that you mentioned the air conditioner scene. Yeah, it's scary. I remember like after the air conditioner dies. Yeah. So you're also long shot. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> Honestly, you gotta go on YouTube. You gotta check out the worthless musical number again, where all the cars get crushed in the lot. It's a lot. Strong recommend. But yes, what was your question? Uh, so sorry. <laughs> you guys are just hanging out. It's yeah. alright. Like, how much do you feel like this era has passed as a result of kind of like trying to capitalize screen time for like a lot of action and a lot of like hyperactivity? Ooh. So do you think the change is that? So so the question is that maybe it's there's this there's this move toward wanting to have more action and hyperactivity. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Yeah. Because yeah. kids nowadays have short attention the spans. The kids, yeah. Unlike um, in the 90s, 80s, 70s, no, 60s, they could, and 50s. You could make them sit when they down were all forever. reading Russian novels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doing, learning, teaching yeah. themselves math for fun. I don't know. I, re- I read some Red Walls at, for a while. Those books are long, man. Right. They are long. So do you think, but do you think, I mean, maybe that is. Do you think y- that that is? Do you think that that maybe. is like part of the change is like making things more action backed or more. I guess, I don't know. I feel like there's just like, there is a lot going on. But I feel like you could definitely stylize things in a kind of hyper way and still maybe not make it so banal. Right, it could still be fast yeah. and dark. It yeah, yeah. Like or <laughs> not even necessarily dark, but just like interesting. I guess the darkness is what took me to the place, but I, ultimately I'm interested in interesting. Right. So it's not darkness yeah. for and of itself. It's just like yeah. ways for things to be complicated, yeah. ways for them to be interesting. And About by interesting, stuff. you mean interesting. Does that mean interesting to grown-ups necessarily, or? I don't know. I don't know. I think just. Tr- I, I don't know. I like when people try out stuff and it doesn't work. Um, also, I'm interested in movies that are not necessarily satisfying or. Good. I don't know. I just like I'm interested in a variety of feeling, and maybe that's what interests me. And I, but I don't know. I don't know. Do you think when you watch yeah. the movies, did you watch them with your parents or on your own or both? Both, or? both. So I wonder if part of it too is like the anxiety that parents feel. Like when you're when you're a parent, and you're you're giving your kid an experience. Like I think as a parent, you kind of just like, or a lot of parents, like you want to see them just be happy. And if you plop yeah. them down in front of a movie and they're like, they seem bummed out or sad. Yeah. I can see, like, and even even if as a yeah. kid you're like, oh, I'm enjoying being bummed out and sad by this. I can see a lot of parents being like, oh, like I have to remedy that. I have to fix that. Like this this yeah. desire to yeah, 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 fix that quickly. And I wonder if it matters whether the kids are watching things alone or with parents or. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Also, my parents have a very rogue style of uh, deciding what's appropriate for children. This is bad because my parents are here. So like I, <laughs> oh my they're like roasted. Yeah, like my parents. I feel like I have to share this anecdote just because I'm here. Uh, but my parents let my brother watch a Pedro Almodovar movie when he was seven years old. Uh, so uh, it's a movie called All About My Mother, uh, and there's like sex work and a lot of emotions. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like yeah. Um, so that's that's that sort of vibe. All right. Okay. All right. So yeah. so they so, so they're they're more free to let a, let a child see some things that maybe some parents wouldn't. And like both styles are legit. I feel like 
my brother who saw that movie is a fine and well-adjusted adult. Are you, you, are you, are you are your parents? Is that? No, no, I don't. I've never seen her. You've never seen her? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to get roasted. <laughs> who, who is that? Is that? <laughs> that is my mother. The woman yes. who said... <laughs> so there's a difference of opinion about the relationship between them. Yeah. She says she's her mother. This woman says they've never no. met. I Do you have see, a question? Let's see how this story plays out. All What's right, yes, this? yes, you, yes, ma'am. Whoa. Uh, maybe there was a person at Blockbuster that the yeah. Blockbuster clerk said to your mom yeah. after your family being the second highest yeah. watcher. Yes. The Blockbuster yes. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. There was, it was an older man was the person who watched more than your entire family? Leaked. Okay, <laughs> okay so legit question. What I would like to hear about is where do you think Miyazaki fits into your Where do you think Miyazaki fits uh, I mean, into all this? You know, I, I love it. Uh, but um, I feel like for me, um, because he is producing movies initially for not a Western context, and like I'm from a Western context, like I'm enjoying those movies, but like he's not necessarily producing them for people who are growing up in the same context as me. Um, and those movies are really good. But I also feel like he was like at his peak in terms of the things he was producing around this era that I'm talking about. Like they were staggered later in their release dates in North America in English dubs, but um, a lot of them were kind of from this era too. So it's interesting. Um, and he does do cool, interesting stuff for kids and also adult people. So. Yeah. Are you, all right, okay. Does that answer your question? All right. Is that sufficiently that you're willing to acknowledge your relationship to the speaker, or are you still <laughs> on, the fence, on the fence about that? All right, you can, you can retain your anonymity. Uh, <laughs> anything else you would like to know? Uh, yes, over there, yes. Have you seen The Last Unicorn? Have you seen oh, The Last baby. Unicorn? Have I seen The Last Unicorn? Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, all this week I've had the Now That I'm a Woman song stuck in my head, and it's a terrible song. I highly recommend looking into it if you want to feel pain. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> um, the Last Unicorn is definitely like within the genre. Is it my favorite? No. But like also it has some worthwhile stuff, for sure. So I want to know more about that. You talked about the, uh, the horror of not being believed as like a yeah. thing in these movies that felt like compelling to you. Well, specifically, I guess, I in I the horror, horror like the capital H horror, like children's television stuff. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's weird because it's like the thing in Goosebumps every time, like in the, both the books and the TV series, it's like the only the kid can see and they'll be like, yeah. but mom, there, there's a mummy and they're like, mm, don't see it. <laughs> don't see that for you. And what do you? And what? What is it about that? That is there something about that that feels like exciting to you, or that feels like it feels really resonant? I feel like in life as an adult and as as a child, like that's such a, a scary thing. But when you're a kid, you have even less agency to be able to be to call bullshit on stuff because right. everyone's like you were a literal child. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I guess I don't know. I just I feel like even though it's in this like schlocky like very poor quality like horror bad effects way it's like it's it's real too and yeah. i guess i don't know i feel really affected by that now in this moment right and that, yeah. that feels like this powerful yeah yeah there's something there like that's that's yeah do you feel that's something people don't do as much anymore i guess i just like i haven't heard of children's um television that is like horror anthology children's television anymore like I don't know At if all. that exists 
at, at all. all. So you think people have just moved away from it that? Just, yeah, I guess like people lost their appetite for it, and so it just doesn't exist. But like it had its moment, and I really want to know why, but I still don't know why. I just don't know why. Yeah. All right, cool. When you talk about like that schlockiness, one thing that I think yeah. about too, that I wonder about too, is like like there's a lot of stuff we can look at now at adult as adults and be like, yeah. oh, that's that's really schlocky or yeah. that storyline's yeah, yeah. like ridiculous or that totally. animation's terrible. Yeah. But I think like when you're a kid, I don't know that you care. Like, do you think kids? No. No, because when I look back, I'm sometimes like, oh. they do, sometimes they don't. But like, yeah. it's, I don't think that's like how they think of it. It's like, oh, this is good or oh, this sucks. Yeah. And that's but it. like so many of the things Kinda. I know, so many of the yeah. things that I liked when I was a kid, if I go back and look at them, like they were terrible, but that didn't. Yeah. Bother me. Like that totally. wasn't like a, I'm not saying oh, it can't exist. I don't yeah. think that like things that are kind of um that are like kind of not the most rich or complex shouldn't exist. But I do think it's good to again have variety and have different stuff. Cool. Okay. All right. Uh yes, over there. Yes. Will talking to children be part of your research project? I think I think so. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to meet some kids. For do you sure. feel? <laughs> <laughs> I could I could arrange some introductions if you yeah. want. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you do you do you feel the same way when you talk to kids? I'm asking. Do yeah. you um, similarly feel that there is a place like? Is there an analogous way about how you relate to children in real life that's analogous to how you think about cinema for children? Like, do you think like I don't know, do you talk about death to kids or whatever? Or do you I like have never. Ride person. I guess it's like come up. I guess I don't know. When I hang out with a kid, it's like usually an organic thing where I'm like looking after a kid. We talk about whatever. Like there's things that I wouldn't talk about with a kid, but I don't know. I'm just myself with people usually. If I'm not being paid to work a customer service job, I just me. And even then, I'm still myself. But you don't. So do you feel like? <laughs> yeah. Are you aware when you interact with children that like? Is there a way that you see other people interact with children that you try not to bring to your own interactions? Like, do you feel that other people mm. are like? Sacrony with kids or something like that or I don't know I guess I don't really see that that much I just don't want to be an asshole to kids just because I don't want to be an asshole to people right I don't know they're people right. so they so they claim so they say. Uh, <laughs> anything, anything else any any other questions people have yes all the way in the back of the room yes why do you think what why do adults patronize kids because they're scared, I think, mostly. Because adults are scared? Yeah. Like of what? And also people like to feel superior generally. Kids, adults, I don't know. What do people you are fuckers. What? <laughs> what I like them. I don't want to be mean to them, but they're also fuckers. What are, what, are, what are adults scared of? I don't know. I think they're afraid of, like, doing damage or, like, that the kids don't get stuff. Or, like, I don't know, maybe different things for different people. But it seems like a scared person behavior to me. So like scared of scared of hurting scared of I think for different things for different people right. I don't know I don't really get it though personally well let's wrap it up those cool. great Vita Bayer ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Cranfrey Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me this episode's lecture was chosen by Lauren Bride this podcast is produced by Josh Block our theme music was composed by Matt Smith our coordinating producer is Kate Bars if you enjoyed the podcast uh, leave us a review on iTunes it really helps a lot I'm Misha Globelman thanks for listening
the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.